0: hey y'all welcome to the self-remembrance podcast self-remembrance is a sacred space for you to reconnect to the wisdom of your body this is megan armstrong and thank you so much for listening Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Self-Remembrance Podcast. I am so excited to be introducing another absolutely breathtaking, powerful guest today. Today, I am sitting here with Kirti Srivastava. Kirti's pronouns are she, her. A dancer, yogi, and an educator for over 20 years, she looks to connect our human existence to our spiritual calling. As a first-generation American, Kirti has weaved constructs around race and identity with her spiritual work, as well, resulting in deep conversations around cultural appropriation, the role of patriarchy, and the responsibility of human beings on this planet. She currently works to promote peace through self-love as a personal trainer, integrating mindful fitness, a yoga philosophy teacher, An educational consultant bringing arts and spirit into school culture, and as a movement medicine practitioner who facilitates individual and group tantric energy healing practices through breath, sound, and movement. As y'all can probably hear already, Kirti is a Mm -hmm. divine teacher and practitioner of all of the medicine that has come her way in her life. And I'm so excited to bring her into the show kirti welcome
1: Mm, thank you so much for having me yeah it's always interesting when you hear somebody read back um parts of your what you do and you real and you think about you know the parts of your life that created that part of you that can now help others
2: Mm -hmm. it's
0: like Mm -hmm. damn
1: (laughs) yeah life lived
0: Mm Beautiful. Well, Kirti, what I love to do on the podcast as we dive into our episode is bring all of our listeners into a space of grounding and of breath. Mm -hmm. So for all of you listening, go ahead and take a moment and you may pause if you're in the middle of doing something or if you're unable to pause, maybe you can just slow down a little bit,
2: come into a deeper awareness of the present moment. And we'll
0: integrate this a little bit deeper by finding a deeper connection to the breath.
2: So allowing a deeper breath to come in through your nose. And an
0: exhale to flow out, releasing all the air out through the nose
2: or through the mouth. Inhale, deeply breathing in. Exhale, deeply breathing out. Inhaling, allowing this breath to open and massage
0: and create space within your body, your mind, and your heart. Allowing this exhale to soften
2: the edges for you to receive. Another deep breath in. And deep breath out. And taking as many more of these breaths as your body is asking for. And when you feel ready to integrate back into anything you were enjoying
0: right before we started to breathe, go ahead and do that. If you feel invited to continue to pause for a little while as you continue to listen, I invite you into that space as well. Hmm. So, as we reintegrate, QT, the one question I always love to start with, especially after grounding and finding our breath, is what feels alive for you right now?
2: Hmm. What feels alive for me is uh, the complete awareness of my body <laughs> in this
1: moment. I just feel very aware of all of the senses and the position of my body, how I'm sitting and how my body's working together right now to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which centering practice
2: tends to remind me of is this physical form. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you. And what's
0: so beautiful about that is so much of our conversation today is going to be focused on the body um, because as we are talking about soul medicine, in the second season of the self-remembrance podcast, something that, you know, for th- those of you who, who don't know, I know Kirti because I take her classes. I go to her Newman circles. we become friends. We have this community here in San Diego that... Um, is just so beautiful and so expansive and Kirti teaches a lot of the time in those spaces. And so um, that's how I found out about Kirti's medicine, about her soul medicine. And when I invited her onto the podcast, I was like, we got to talk about what you do, what you offer, what you embody, because it's so, it is such a gift. It's something that needs to be shared out into the world. And so y'all, I'm really excited to talk to kirti today about non-performative movement as a social movement Mm. that's committed to liberation and authentic expression which i know kirti is also tied into the tantric practice that you're also very um deeply into practicing and teaching as well Mm. so i would love just like from that kind of beginning focus point um where do you want to start when, mm-hmm. when reflecting on non-performative movement?
1: um, Well, for me, I think the non-performative journey really, uh, it began dancing for a company in New York City. Uh, in my 20s, I got to dance with a company that combined classical Indian dance with modern movements. And I'd never really taken modern as a a style. However, I was always really inspired by it and i liked that it was still really earthy to me however light and flowy but um the connection to the earth and how modern dance's dancers moved with the earth was always really intriguing to me um so dancing in this company you know you learn pieces you drill you practice you go you go days months until you master a piece that then gets performed over and over and over and over again Um, and in that repetition of performance there's an unraveling that occurs and I've just noticed that pattern over and over as a performer and as an artist Um, You know, that was my dancing career in my 20s, but I've I've been dancing since I was a child, you know, Um, and performing has definitely showed me this insight into non-performative realms or non-performative atmosphere, non-performative energy that can be accessed and projected, you know, for the audience, really. Um, and if you're in a collaborative atmosphere with other artists on the stage, that non-performative energy can be exchanged with each other and or let's say like in a dance class, right? That's what I'm really doing is I'm conjuring non-performative energy um into the space and I'm 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 injecting it and I'm inserting it and installing it and penetrating um, you know, this womb like energy uh, vortex that we create and just bringing in that beam and that vibe um, and that pulsation uh, which I believe is very natural this non-performative state So for me, you know, dancing in a company and going through so much repetition in my 20s. Um, And then I traveled to India for a while. I traveled to India for seven weeks and studied with my original dance teacher from my teenage years and my late 20s. And got to stay there and visited temples and did all this theory and philosophy around Um, the arts, but I always delve deeper and probe deeper, of course, because I would like be told one thing, then we go to the temple, and I get all these other downloads, and I'd be like, wait a minute, (laughs) these stories aren't matching. And that's what really brought me into the tantric realm, where it was like, wait a minute, like, there's, again, this non-performative performative, like right hand, left hand in tantra. And you also see it in the classical arts, and how the arts are passed down from like teacher and guru you know to student and there's this patriarchal um energy as well to that and so in my late 20s after uh doing the dance actually during the dance company time I went to my- India to just I wanted to deepen my knowledge and you know move ahead in the dance company as well and um again there understanding the concept of drilling to learn and repetition and how the repetition and performing for your teacher, that also was an access point towards non-performative. Because the more I would repeat and I would go and I would go, it was almost like a mantra. Um, It was like a trance and just repeating. And you would get so deep into foot patterns and musical harmonies and rhythms that it's non-performative, but it's rooted in your performance. <laughs> so I just started to really fall in love with this this concept of, of it's almost an, an equal and opposite. It's like they're the same, but they're not, but they're the same. One, without one, you don't have the other, and without the other, you don't have the one. Um, so... My journey is, is such that, you know, being in a dance company and, and being trained as a classical Indian dancer, and then joining hip hop uh, dance companies later on in life, and then Afro Brazilian dance companies, and well as West African uh, dance companies, and dancing with all of these styles, and realizing they were all very choreographed. But the deeper I got into the patterns of the choreograph, Some other shit was fucking breaking through me that was like, whoa, that was not wanting to follow any of these rules. And so I said, wow, okay. It's like the box, the box is access to being outside of the box. Like when you can understand the parameters of the box and like master what the box is showing us, you know, or the norm, we can call it or you know, the programming, understanding the programming. You know, the beauty of the program is that it allows us to think outside of the program. And um I think that this is what non-performative states is about, you know, in the body. Um and ultimately the program has to change in the body. You see, like I think a lot of us rely on external forces and those programs changing, but truthfully, until the program changes in the body, are we not? Are, we're not going to really see real shifts and evolutions and transformations going on, um, because that's the ultimate, you know, wireless source of energy right there, right? So, I think that this—it's almost like tapping into a unique code, a software, a circuitry that it's like the circuitry of irrational numbers, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what are those, but we need them, but what are they? But they're necessary. So I think that that part of the tension is non-performative and and to get there, you have to be non-performative and be willing to accept something you've never known before.
2: Mm. Wow.
0: That's something that I would have never considered within dance as, because when you think about it, when you, when you see dancers perform and dance, they are in a state of trance. And I never realized that the access point to that was through the repetition of the actual performative nature. Okay. you you have the choreography, here are the steps, here's the rhythm, and you're going to just do it over and over and over again. And through that repetition, then opens the doorway for the trance. And then it's like your body moves itself. Yeah. Wow. You got it. You yeah. said
1: that was like very well. So wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. So in that state, Right? Your body has like accessed this new way of, of being with itself, really. And for me, I, I mean, as an embodiment teacher and healer, I feel like the body is such a just divine, wise portal. And I would love to hear from your journey, from your perspective, as you tapped into this new way of being with your body, of entering trance through movement and allowing your Performative movement to be non-performative. What else came alive in you as that happened?
2: Mm. Um,
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that my tagline has always been "Be the change, make the movement," Mm. and um, it's been like since high school. Uh, That was, and that was before I knew Gandhi had a quote that's very similar: "Be the the change you want to see." Right in the world, I believe that's the quote, or the the change you want to see. Um, So. I feel that for me in high school, I had a pretty epic event that allowed me access into um, a gateway and portal, a way of being that at the moment I didn't realize was happening. In fact, I didn't even realize that that was happening until recently, like probably within the last five years of my life, that that that's what happened when I was in high school. Wow which is wild. I mean, and I'm sure that somebody really, if if I was listening to my story from the outside and didn't live it, I'd probably be able to really break that down for myself. Um, but probably have lived through it. It, it still blows my mind where I'm just like, wow, I have these memories of, of magic and manifestation and abundance, power, um, energy, force, and just wasn't aware at that age. And now I look back and I'm like, that's exactly what was going on. Wow. Um, So for me, I think that, you know, in, in high school is a big, big piece of my journey where the body started to be realized as a portal. I had gotten into a surfing accident in high school where my friend who... Uh, was riding on a nose rider, uh, didn't have a leash on, and we both took the same wave. And when we got off of the wave, um, I, had, I had thought that I had timed it enough, long enough, that her board must have passed wherever it had pet pa- must have passed beyond me, or I thought that I had stayed underwater long enough. But lo and behold, when I came up from the water, the board uh, hit me, you know, right, uh, like it's like between C1 and and C5 on on the left-hand side. And something about that impact, you know, eventually got me in a place where I was, it was like, either my legs will move, you know, or they won't. And if they move, it could be six months. It could be a year. Like, I don't know. It's kind of just like, it's something happened. It's a spasm, It, you know. Doesn't look like full paralysis, but you know, what medical doc, what doctor's going to say, like, she's definitely going to move her legs, you know, it's like, if there's nothing. So that kind of was a part of my reality in high school. And um, so, you know, it it was m- moments, days, months of kind of being on a, a mattress and just, you know, figuring out, like, just realizing, like, you don't, like, move. You can't move or if you want to move and you can't use your legs like you've been used to using your legs. Um, So a big part of that was imagination. And at that point, I was already a dancer. You know, like, surfing was my, it was, like, my identity building in high school and, like, just being a San Diego kid, right? Um, but I I was always a dancer and I've, all of my friends knew me as such. And I was also the one that always got the party started about all the dances. Uh, so, you know, that was, was a big part of my existence. And then all of a sudden it was like, that's a reality. That's not mine anymore. However, from the moment the accident happened, I always knew that I was going to move again just because I was like, I'm a dancer. Like there was this thing in me that just knew so so clearly like, I'm, yeah, but I'm a dancer. Like that's not going to happen. And it was, I guess it must have been such a, such a belief, you know, that I would even, I would imagine dancing. I would imagine moving. I focused on, I felt like I was moving inside of my body. Um, and Kind of my gateways of imagination just really took off, and that that's really when I first started to feel like oh the body is it's a it's a gateway for wherever you want to go, and since then I just really focused on being a dancer and being an, an amazing performer. I wanted to make money. I wanted to be a performer. I wanted a tour. I wanted to do you know all of those things, um, and yeah. Uh, something shifted you know in me this these last five years where it became the healing journey kind of made made me shift and look at at movement from another perspective um, that took me back to like high school and how I healed myself in high school because the interesting twist of that story is I never went to physical therapy I literally like my family, my mom, my parents had their own business. So they were working all the time. So I kind of was like at home. They set me up with like food station and like but I I do remember like trying to move my body and like willing myself and doing different little exercises. And I remember a wheelchair coming home. Um like that I had to go to high school and you know, and finish my senior year in a wheelchair. And I just remember being like, oh my God, no. That's so not going to be my reality. Um and just went really hard, I, I suppose. Um, the truth is so much of it I don't remember. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. I really want to remember and um, uh, I've you know, put together little parts and pieces. But the biggest piece I do remember is I was able to access parts of my body through my imagination and through belief and with no, nothing else to do, no other access. And so it was almost like this place of complete uh, vulnerability and transparency of like, I got nothing, like, yo, there's nothing else for me to fucking do right now. Um, And something, whatever had to come, had to come, you know? Um, So yeah, lots of moments like that. Um so I I would say that that looking back at all of that now I am reminded of those moments but I hadn't thought about them I hadn't thought about them for 20 years and I started being reminded of those moments once I lost my job and I was in a place a similar place it wasn't my body though right it was a different sense of security a different framework and um my, I that's when I noticed like, whoa, my body's processing this like the same energy. It's the same energy, it's just a different canvas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like a different painting, but it's the same energy. Um, and it's in a different area of my life, but it's like
2: triggering all these same uh places of disability, honestly. Um, yeah, so then it became um, when all the, these all these injuries
1: started coming back in my back as soon as I didn't have a place to be every day and have a high stress, you know, requests all day every day. I think once my body got into like rest and digest physically, all of these things started popping up that were reflecting re- deep mirrors one after another. Like, oh my gosh, wild deep mirrors of. Reflections of lack
2: of love, self-love, um, just parts of me that felt
1: robbed of voice and and raped. <laughs> um, that I have not nurtured and 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 taken care of. All of a sudden, these wounds were like wide open, and I had lots of very wild downloads mental, uh, thought patterns and everything kept taking me back to this high school year. It's like this 20 year cycle thing that kept happening. And I was just like, wow. So I just had to like, at that point, I I just let go again, you know, just like, kind of like I was there again and I let go and the body became yet again, another portal. Um, and the movement that came through was movement medicine really. And my girlfriend golden is the one that named it that um and and just coined it as such because she was like that's what we're doing like we are literally taking memories that we've trapped inside of ourselves and for the sake of living and surviving the part of us that feels like it needs to survive we are like moving the energy to like remind it that like we can do this and like we're we're not being threatened by a tiger. We're not being threatened. It's We can do this. We can navigate through this. We can, we can live and breathe through this. So the body is the ultimate instrument. Connecting it to the repetition piece, you see the body is an ultimate instrument because the body is ultimately earth. We are a collection of earth matter because our, our mothers eat from the earth, which is what builds our tissues, our blood, our our, all of our systems, our DNA. And so, you know, we're ultimately of the earth and the earth is a combination of all of the elements. So we too are a combination of all of the elements. So when we learn to use the body to balance the combination of elements within our being by moving it, just like the planet earth does with earthquakes and tsunamis and all sorts of weather patterns and seasonal changes to make keep to keep its atmosphere in balance our body is is doing the same and if we look at nature also there is something about patterns isn't there everything in nature has a pattern and if you notice if you look at the pattern it's not completely symmetrical there's always an irrational number. And that's what makes the pattern so beautiful because that's what makes you realize like, wow, look at how a pattern the rest of this is, you know, it's, it's really uh, an amazing thing. It helps you identify the pattern, the little switch of a leaf's veins or the spiral of a shell or the number of leaves on a rose bush or the number of petals, right? It's like, you can see it over and over and over again. And then there's an anomaly. It's like, wow. Look at this rare piece. So in the same way, we have that unique representation in us as well. So the, the repetition is the pattern. That's the sacred natural pattern is the numbers. The numbers is our way to communicate with nature, that code of numbers like You'll notice things are mostly in odd numbers in nature, right? It's like five, sevens with the number of petal, petals on certain plants, and then other species, it's like a different number pattern ratio that that's going on. And so, gardeners are really skilled at understanding different plants and how to grow and nurture each plant uniquely. So, in the same way, the way dancers use number patterns is based off
2: the natural rhythm of earth. What gives these number patterns to how plants grow?
1: It's coming from the soil. (laughs) And um, the soil is a reflection of an amalgamation of all the elements that has lived and died and transmuted and composted in the soil. And then it creates a wave that rebirths and creates more nature. So this sacred code is really something we share with nature because we are of the same earth. And so the four pattern is a really common one in dance that you'll know, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight and we'll play within that eight pattern of one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And so what I've started to notice was dance styles around the world, this one, two, three pattern in Samba, in Bhangra from India, um, in, in West African dance, the one, two, three, like there's just a very up like folk rhythm that dancers use. And it's an ongoing cycle, you know, um, a lot of the dances in um, Afro-Cuban and Afro-Brazilian, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It there the four, fa- four causes for a pause, and that makes sense because if you think of the elements of nature, and there's four elements of nature, and if you think of most things that are the cycles of rebirth, it's it's an odd number of of three. You know, so the one, two, three pattern is an it, it represents the ongoing cycle that it never. It never really ends. The one, two, three, four allows you to play around a little bit more <laughs> and gives you a little bit more space if you know what I'm saying. Um, so when we repeat these codes right in our body, on the earth, and we add the story and the intention of what we're doing. So now our thought patterns because we all we know that thought follows energy, energy follows thought, right? What we feel is what we put out there. And so as we do that and we're following these codes, we're communicating with nature. And, you know, it's not a woo-woo thing. I mean, it's physics. It's binary code. it's, It's engineering. I mean, the fact that we build bridges the way we do, like it's all the same. It's the same geometry that's happening in our body. So then movement becomes a code, right? All of a sudden it's like, you know, in classical Indian dance, in Odyssey, the style that I danced, your, your arms, the, the, there's two normal stances. One is Thribhangi and one is Choka. And Chowka is achieved by creating two 90-degree angles with your arms. And then you create an 180-degree ang- line with your feet. You turn your toes completely outwards, tilt your hips forward, open up your knees. And it's like literally you're just opening the whole sacral forward, tilting it up, the whole area. And if you do the math, two 90-degree angles and a 180-degree line is 360 degrees. And so to me, that represents like the orbit of the universe. And that taps into Taoist concepts of the microcosmic orbit and the breath patterns within our body. So I think that dance, classical Indian dance, the way it uses number patterns and the earth and then the stories of gods and goddesses, I mean, you're getting charged a lot. And so that is another piece of like, I think my body was able to just, the vessel opened up even more when I went to India. And on my way home from India, I realized, like, I just spent like, I took my money, I wanted to invest in my teacher. And I realized like, I'm not going to make money from performing classical Indian dance concerts. Like, what am I going to do? I just like spent this time and money and energy and I realized why well, I needed to do it clearly for something. And it was like, I, I actually want to like move my hips and I want to like move my chest and I, I want to like set this, this thing inside of me free um and so that's what started to give birth to Dilse which is from the heart because i started i felt such a heart explosion uh in india of sensuality and of of just femininity and goddess worship it was just mind blowing uh that i was like wow the heart is just this awesome chamber Um, And I was also healing from, you know, a a, a quite abusive setup and relationship. So it was really powerful for me to, you know, use dance to heal. Mm -hmm. And I was sober, you know, I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I didn't do anything. I I was open to to you know encounters uh, of romantic kind. Uh, Those didn't happen, however, because I the dance was just so satisfying and fulfilling that it was almost like. I don't know if I, I might, we might, the world might explode or something if I was to have any more. So I think that I definitely was projecting a very full, bountiful, um, energy that I, there was a lot of flirtation, but never anything that, um, was, was close in, in that way. Um, so yeah, the body has a portal
0: where I'm like guiding to, to, like call us into next and it's something that you've started to speak toward. And I feel like those listening, you know, cause as humans, we have trauma, we have experience and Kirti, you, you spoke about like these multiple pieces of experiences and traumas and how movement allowed you to be in conversation and move that energy around. And we live in a culture and a society that really wants to numb us from our bodies. And I feel like just through your storytelling of, of everything that you've experienced, you know, is such a testament to what is possible, what can happen when you don't numb yourself out from your body and its experience. And I would just love if you could take us a layer deeper. You you described like the repetition and the pattern and the dance. And, and then you started to talk about the heart a little bit too. And I want you to, if you'd like to speak more into, sometimes it's really hard to connect to our bodies. And what has that practice been like for you to, to connect with your body, to mm. have a deeper conversation with your body, to... Love your body and be in an intimate space with it. Yeah, I'd
1: love to hear more about that. Mm, that's a really good question. And first thing I need to own is I'm definitely still working on loving my body, so I am an ever evolving uh, student of that one, ever humble to this physical form that I've chosen.
2: Um, so what has the practice looked like? or what has it even felt like yeah i think that something happened within
1: you know when when you do the pattern work um with numbers and you start to feel how <laughs> how actually freestyle is divinity choreographed if that makes sense you know it's like imperfect is perfect you're perfectly imperfect it's like that kind of that kind of a concept so what happens with numbers is the same thing within the body and the reason I always bring it to numbers is because that's the that's that's the code of nature and the way our bodies ultimately function is very scientific and it's it does have patterns and it has unique um, codes to it, should we choose to go there, right? So the heart opening uh, is is really accessed through the practice. So I think it's a really good question because you've got to, the, the improvisational piece of it is is allowing your practice to come through, which is that's the piece that is being outside of the box. Is letting your practice emerge letting allowing your genius to come through and then the box is also acknowledging the mental and the false belief systems that are limiting your ability to expand and express the way you know that you truly want to and you know the truth that we live in a society that definitely it consistently numbs us from our bodies. Um, and, it, and the biggest way it numbs us from our bodies is it literally tells us how to think about our bodies, right? Um, and so we're numb to what our bad bodies actually feel, and they're instead overwhelmed by our mental thoughts. So some of the practice around that is we want to reverse that code. We just we and the way numbers work, <laughs> addition and subtraction, they're equal and opposite, right? Multiplication and division, equal and opposite. Um, you know everything always has this up and down, and the reason it has this up and down is that we go through the middle, the in between to create a third option so we've got to know the duality of life to then create this third option and that third option is your manifestation of your practice and what is that going to look like now Again, because that does come from the norm. What does the norm look like? Well, I would say that the practice came from trying lots of different things, (laughs) trying lots of different things to feel better and being open to trying lots of different things. I mean, I was like, did the raw diet, vegan diet, paleo diet, um, keto. Before that, I was like, did Weight Watchers. Before Weight Watchers, um, I did, oh, Atkins before Atkins, I was like probably one of probably the first people that did Zumba when Zumba was on VHS. Um, you know, it's like I've tried so many different things that I just kind of have had a library of things that worked and didn't work for me in terms of like my diet. That's how my diet worked, and that's why now I'm a flexitarian. You know, I'm like. I do what I feel and I feel what I do. That, that's how I eat. And I, my thing is like, no shame, no guilt. And I noticed that that's exactly my dance structure as well. Is like, no shame, no guilt with my body and my movement and how I move. Because that's exactly a representation of like, that's my earth. That's my planet. Like, this is me in my orbit. And, um, and it put, sends out a wave. It sends out a wave of energy out into nature that nature gets to respond and let me know that like right on. And then and then in certain settings and systems, you might hear a different response. It's like a different rhythm, a different beat. And it's like, okay, how do you move to that? Um, so adaptability and agility is a big part of the practice for me. I realized quickly from from living such a choreographed artistic lifestyle and then from being... Uh, serving in a in a family that had a family business most of my life, family restaurant business, uh, being quite an overachiever, you know, uh, in school and like in my degrees and academic study, and you know, eventually running organizations and getting involved in ha- um, high level positions of charter schools and like in in doing all of that, it literally <laughs> was just like me being very service mode and service oriented. And then even as an artist, when you dance in a company, (sighs) that's so giving of your body and so giving of your like performance and your creativity. Cause it's not like, Oh, I want to move like this on stage tonight. No, you got to work through like, what is, you know, for the people, like you do this whole brain shifting of like not doing what you want to do and being okay with it. So I think that when I, when I lost my my job, that's really where all of my rituals that like I followed to a T, like my green smoothie and my vitamins and my workout schedule and my classes and my breath work and my meditation and just ticking off everything on my to-do list and that, 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 that. And then it was like, I lost my job and everything was like, just, just, it was wild. Um, and that's when the ultimate practice emerged for me. And that's what I teach people now. It's like, how do you create your sacred movement ritual? It's not about what works for me, but but it's about getting into learning the different parts of us that affect our movement. You know, there's a reason why we walk the way we walk, why we make love the way we make love, why we talk the way we talk. Why we cook the way we cook, why why we shit the way we shit. I mean, everything we do with our body has a reason. And those reasons are all connected in this wild network. That's very mycelial in nature, again, like nature. And then it's, it's connected within us. And then we are connected to each other based on our connections with ourselves. So I feel like the practice is, um, it's really got to come from you and what it has to involve, what it must, must, must involve is breath, movement and sound. And these are like, these are the tenets of through those, through these three um, concepts and ideas that are very tantric. Um, and I think that different teachers integrate them in different ways, uh, different yoga teachers, and depending on what version of tantra people are practicing, they integrate that, this concept in different ways. And what I do is I integrate it into the body. And from that, what I started to notice is a very real raw and wild version of people emerging. Um, so then the practice became like, whoa, like I need to unwind this performance of me. Like I noticed I couldn't even take pictures without posing. I I started to realize like I always had to like, if I wore makeup, it had to be a certain way and like a certain color. And like every, I started to notice all these like beauty rituals that I had and I wanted to know where they came from and, and started to notice like, dang man, I'm following lots of different uh codes that i don't even know where they came from and if i created them and if i want to follow them anymore and and what will happen to me if i don't follow them that dealing with that that fear so that was also a part of creating the practice too was creating rituals that stretched me but didn't break me creating movement rituals that stretched me but didn't break me that eased me that allowed me and whether these were rituals to rebuild sensuality with myself um you know after whatever types of intimate trauma that occurred for you um then again it was it was still it had to be a gentle invitation you know it had to be flirtatious and it had to feel like i was um i was willing to do it Um, so I think that that's a big piece of creating that and, you know, having the patience, uh, and not being pressured by time for healing to occur is a big part of my practice as well, because I noticed whenever I rushed myself, I would be filled with guilt and shame. And I also noticed that when I would rush myself or put in a schedule again, there was like almost so much trauma around that, that I would go back. My body would physically respond and react. I'd go right back into like adrenal fatigue and kidney stones and like all these things that I was really needing to heal at the time. Um, So I had to really unwind the clock as a part of the ritual where it was like learn how, how to just like not have a schedule and what does that feel like to not have a schedule um and so how do all these things relate to the to the body and the heart well the, the first chakra of the body is the is the, it's the form and the structure right and it's a very it's, the, it's a very representation of the masculine energy within us in the tantric philosophy so when we have these things in our life Right, which is a lot of times what people will classify as practices, you know, it gives the masculine energy something to do, which is awesome. That's great because the masculine energy loves having things to do. And I'm talking about the masculine energy in all of us. However, if it becomes so mental, it can easily take away from the time and space available for rest and digest to occur in the body. Right. Um, and so, uh, if we are on a 40 hour work week or if we're working really intense hours, we're not giving, there's just really not enough time set up. I and mean, this is where the numbness starts to begin because we start to numb certain parts to be able to function in a very patriarchal set up system. And the patriarchy really, for me, is just, it's just, um, a really grossly imbalanced system. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah, really damaging and harming the feminine energy on the planet in all of us. It's not allowing us to have that rest and digest and that creativity. Um, And the body, you know, all bodies on the planet are meant to create. All bodies are meant to create. All bodies create in different ways. And so when we don't have the time to rest and digest, uh, it's really hard to create and uh, the creation comes from the feminine energy within us. So when we're not naturally organically creating, that stunts a a, a very intricate flow of energy in the body. The the feminine is seen as a balancing point for the masculine energy. So if if there's an imbalance in one way, you can tell like the body is imbalanced, then, then we start to have occurrences in the physical body. So this is why the physical body, it's it's a, it's really important to deal with the systems and structures that you're that you're living in so when when you're creating a practice you know my practice started with um eating slower you know and i know that's like a really common one um and whenever i did some work around body image and stuff that was in practice and so i actually like brought that back but in a different light it was like let me eat slower to just really eat slower because i have the time it wasn't about anything else but just like savoring the moments um going outside at times of the day from from teaching that i would never be outside so taking those times to go outside um those were the first practices just starting to in- invite lots of sensuality into my life again um cooking meals uh from scratch taking the time to do that having social gatherings and um you know starting to just do things i love during the day was a big part of my practice. Um, And then with my body specifically, it was no, I, I, the first thing I did was no pressure. I just stopped putting any pressure on my body and like, was like, it's fine. Like I'm just going to do whatever my body feels and I'm not going to try a new diet to heal my stuff. I'm not going to, you know, try a new diet to lose weight. I'm not going to try a new diet to, or a new exercise regimen to only like beef up my booty and, and get my boobies to be more perky. And like, you know, or I'm not going to try an exercise regimen to only have a skinny waist. It's like, it's, it's just, it's wild. It's, it's pretty wild. It sounds so silly to me to even, even say, and I know that, that like, this is a huge industry. And, you know, that was the first place I went to is I started working in gyms again when I, when I, you know, stopped working in education in that system. And, and and I was really sad to find that it was so much of the same thing in a different way. It's like more indoctrination of how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to work out, what you're supposed to look like. I'm like, what is different from the educational system where we're telling kids the same? And I was like, oh, my God, it's just like more programming. Um, and then the gym actually kindly let me go because like clients were just like, yo, I'm feeling way too peaceful after the workout. Like I'm feeling way too peaceful during this workout when I want my ass kicked. Like I want to work out my shit. And like, I was just like, my whole thing was like mindful fitness and like, you know, I was having them do different things. So it was, it was cool though. That was the first moment where I started to realize like, wow, no's are yeses because that helped me see that what I really wanted to do with the body and physical work what I wanted to offer people was not what was being offered in the gym setting and to like, keep doing that and find another place to do that. Um, so yeah, gosh, mm-hmm. totally. So I guess like, you know, the the whole idea and the whole practice of just uh, doing things different and, and approaching things from like a very non-dualistic approach of like the limitless possibilities and, And flipping the code and the way you're supposed to be thinking of things, thinking about things differently. And um, that might be, you know, laying on the floor one day. Um, That might be when you wash the dishes, balancing on one leg, that might be. You know, doing a certain stretch when you watch a movie or massaging your partner, like, or giving that each other a head massage while you watch a movie. Like, these are all just, like, different things and different ways of connecting to the senses that, um, you know, I'm, I've, I've moved away from routines um, and, and, like, practices that are, are too scheduled because I find that there's more beauty in creating a lifestyle. And a lifestyle that's very organic and driven by natural desire, not a conscious, like, if I do this, this will happen. Because the truth is, that's not always true. There are plenty of hardcore, you know, health nuts that, are, that have cancer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work that way. And I've, I've noticed that with my health journey and like, you know, with this accident and just navigating different things with my body and, and relationships, you know, these are the two main forces in my life is like body and relationships. And um it's like, it, that's like the biggest farce is I'm like, you think you know what's going to happen? Yeah, no, you don't know what's really going to happen. People can tell you or you can tell yourself, but things happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So for me, the practice has been about adaptability and agility of like normalizing that things happen and my body is a representation of that. Um, so it depends, you know, I don't know what level your listeners are at, what level of weirdo, you know, we can go to <laughs> because for me, my gauge is usually like the weirder I can be. It's a sign that my practice is expanding. And if I can do that in public arena, in arenas, then I've created like a ritual, you know? Um, And if I've inspired others, well, let's call it a ceremony. (laughs) you know, Um, so that's, that, that's, that's the next piece is I think, starting to see like, what are, how are all the different ways that I can, you know, move in the office? How can I ch- change up how I'm functioning in my family? How do I, how can I change up what I'm doing within, in my marriage uh, or my partnership? You know, how can I, how can I be a different teacher? How can I be a different lover? How can I be a different whatever? Um, And start just Start making one little shift in the lifestyle. I think that that's a really powerful practice, you know, for this work. Because the truth is, that there it once you think you get it, it's just like another wave is going to come. So I, 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 I feel, I, I so, uh, whenever I work with people, I don't, I'm not into the like 28 days to this. And, or, you know, even like, even our week courses, it's just kind of like, there's this whole, you know, idea and concept that like these are shifts that we've started. Add these shifts in, see see what happens for you and then come back around and see if you're ready to develop and build on those shifts, but it's never like sign up for a year, you know, and like just take all the courses at once. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Um so yeah, I think a practice has to be developed over over time. It has to be very flexible for me, the type of person I am. I, I I do understand some people need routine and they need like alarms and things of that nature. However, I'm really ready to, um,
2: yeah, leave all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And ultimately what you're describing is, you know, within your own journey and then what you're offering to the listeners is like, Deeply listening to your body, deeply listening to your soul. What is the soul in the body asking for? What is it guiding you towards just beginning to notice and witness? And then when it responds to something, right? When something cracks open and you, you enter into an, another layer of healing or you come alive a little bit more, right? Or if it's the opposite where like your body shuts down, Something else happens, you know? And it's just awareness, awareness of what's happening, tuning in, listening to these two very powerful forces because they hold so much medicine. And Kirti, I just am so grateful that you've been interweaving, you know, Hey, this is what's working for me. This is like, this is my practice. This has been my journey. And then also like offering and like, you can try this and you can try that. I feel like within this, um, space of connection we're creating here, it's right. It's like, you're offering your story and you're offering as a teacher. Cause that's what you are as well. So I would love if there's anything else that hasn't been spoken into the space that. You want to share on whether that be within your own journey, whether that be um, something to offer the listeners, just anything that, that just you feel that you want to speak into the space
2: to, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, just invite in a little more expansion. Um, I think that, you know, the piece about the heart is, is a big one that, you know, ultimately why we're listening to our bodies, um, what we're doing really. And, and I think this might be a, might be help those who are new to thinking of your body as like, wait, what do you mean? Like my body as a, is it as a separate entity or is it me? Like, what do you mean? How is my body one? Is it different? Well, it's both. <laughs> it's both, right? It's, 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 it's like our, it's our, it's our, it's our best friend, but we are the relationship um, that is there between us and our best friend. It is our lover, um, but we are that. We are that romance that exists between you know us and our lovers. Um, and so the heart opening piece is big because when we show up for our bodies and when we listen to our bodies, we're showing up for parts of ourself at different ages and different stages throughout life when we didn't show up. So, we're actually filling up the places where there's been lack of attention, lack of care, lack of love, lack of being seen, lack of being heard, lack of being felt, lack of affection, lack of true intimacy. And we're, we're showing ourselves that external forces don't really have the ability to affect this internal beam of love and light. Um, so whatever practice you choose as your movement medicine, you know, whether you're an athlete, whether you're making love, whether you're a dancer or you're a chef, you know, um, or you're breastfeeding, giving birth. I mean, there's so many different ways of activating your body all day long, sleeping, resting, walking, running. And believe it or not, from my story, even not moving your body, <laughs> not Feeling like you can't move your body at all is actually moving your body in your imagination. So, all these ways of moving, we're actually the way we move in all of those actions is rebuilding a relationship with parts of ourselves in different ages and stages of life. So, we have the opportunity to move our body in every moment. To rebuild, to remember, to resource love, the ultimate love of the divine. And what's beautiful is there's infinite moments. So we can start that, you know, right now. Do something that you truly know that you and your body crave In this moment. And that is the heart opening exercise. That when you choose something that's in full alignment with your purpose on this planet, and you've released all conditions of loving yourself and owning this purpose of yours on the planet, and then you change your movements and you affect your actions, and you're willing to shift and evolve your thought patterns. That's the heart explosion. You know, that's the ultimate practice. And living that way moment to moment is a possibility through the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to let that come through. I hope that it helps tie up any loose ends of, you know, my circular communication style, (laughs) Um, you know, and just know that, you know, what I speak, I speak from my truth and from my experience, and I would never share anything that I haven't felt myself. And I never share a move or a movement that I, I haven't experienced for myself. So, you know, please receive any of the information today with an open heart. And what resonates, please take it and cherish it and evolve and grow with it, remix it, you know, add your own sauce to it and deliver it. And um, whatever didn't resonate and didn't land with you, all good. No need to take what doesn't land with you. That's that's a really big step in creating your own practice (laughs) is you don't have to believe. Anything that doesn't resonate with you in your body, you have full right over that.
2: Yeah. Ooh.
0: So incredibly powerful. And I feel like Kirti, what you spoke into this whole time is of course, it's this self-practice, right? It's it's this experience, it's this journey that we're having with ourselves, and then as you were speaking more into it, of course, the more it becomes expressed, then it becomes the collective, right because as you said throughout, it's like we're we're connected to each other as a collective, and so this medicine that we receive from ourselves, that we come into expression with ourselves, that we embody ourselves right, then just becomes this ripple effect, and I feel like that's where you know that the movement part of, I would say like your vision, your life's mission starts to come alive. So yeah, for all of you listening to just knowing that, of course, whatever you cultivate and create within a practice for yourself, for your healing, for your life's journey, to get in deeper touch with your soul medicine, your body medicine, of course, is for you and you're inspiring everybody else. And this creates a movement, this creates a shift on our planet, and starts to open up just everything. So, hmm, Kirti, thank you so much. Hearing your story, you know, because we've, we've been friends and we've been, you know, in community together and moving our bodies together and having ceremonies together and just to be able to sit with you and hear more about your story more intimately and what it's been like to walk through it and what you've learned and what you still have yet to learn but you're excited to to learn and you know has been such a gift um and i know that everybody listening has received so so much mm. so thank you um i would love if you would close out our space with a prayer or meditation or just anything mm.
1: you feel called to share to close it out Yeah, I actually feel like I could lead a guided meditation. In this guided meditation, I'm going to invite you to meet the part of yourself that represents your movement, you know, the part of yourself that represents how you move, how you move your body. Um, And... When this energy arrives, you know, don't question its form. It might arrive as a person, it might arrive as a mythological creature or a character. Uh, It could come as a movie character that you've seen. You know, it doesn't, the subconscious will draw on whatever it draws on. and, And really, the idea is for us to receive the message and then we will just follow the message to receive the information for ourselves. It's a really good way to tap into um, really ultimately, you know, just building that trust within yourself that you choose your life and you're creating all of this for some, for a much, much grander reason than what we most of the time think. (sighs) So wherever you are, um, and you know, if you're in a place where you can't do this with us right now, that's all good. You can also just... Receive it, and if you're in a if you're moving or if you're driving, you know just have multiple awareness um, and be present of your body wherever it's at, and you can allow the memory memories to come through but but keep your focus um, and use it as a practice and anywhere else you know take a moment to drop in to this space, especially if you haven't done this work before, it can be quite. Profound. So taking some gentle breaths in through the nostrils, receiving and exhale,
2: allowing the breath to leave the body. Inhale.
1: And notice the movement of the chest and the belly as you inhale. And as you exhale, notice the momentum of the body shift.
2: And as you inhale, notice what happens
1: to the throat. And as you exhale, notice what happens to the back. Beautiful. Begin to get comfortable into the supports beneath you
2: wherever you are and into your imagination bring the room
1: or the place that you're sitting right now or perhaps laying down. Wherever you are, whatever your position, just begin to bring that into your imagination. Visualize the four directions and what you see in the four directions, what's above you, what's beneath you. In this moment, just drop in to the visual memory of the place where you just were. Now opening and allowing the subconscious and the portal of all divine intuition, all that we don't know, that we don't know.
2: Memories and feelings that serve
1: a purpose. We open up that space. And as we open up that space, we begin to imagine a place in nature, any place. And in that place of nature, begin to allow the current room to dissolve, the current space you're in, and allow it to shift in the setting. Allowing the walls to dissolve, allowing the ceiling and the floor to shift and evolve with grace, creating a whole new scene and place. In this place, you know that it's time to meet your
2: movement, how your body feels,
1: this part of you that is tuned into your physical health, How you physically move your body, how you express your desires, your sex, your wants, your needs, your desires. You're going to meet this part of you
2: and you're ready and you can visualize that within this
1: place of nature where you're going to have to go to meet this part
2: of you, allow a path to appear. Begin to follow that path and imagine
1: how it feels traveling in this realm where you're about to meet this version of you. Take in the sights around you. How far can you see? And what do you see? Are there scents? Appreciate them. Recognize them.
2: Wonder and explore. And how does the body feel inside? And what's the temperature? Is there a breeze and as you travel this path pay attention to the senses and once you've arrived you know exactly what
1: to do in order to call this part of yourself forward to meet this part of yourself for the first time. Go ahead and do that. How does this part of you like to be summoned? What does it want to see and feel?
2: Go ahead and be in service of that. Show this part
1: of yourself that you are here to learn and gain wisdom and guidance. You're here to unlock the code, your unique formula and purpose
2: on this planet. Allow this form to appear
1: as it does notice its texture and notice the way it looks notice its attitude and its mood
2: how does it travel what is the emotion towards you this part
1: of yourself witness the emotion
2: and try to communicate. Is this part of yourself willing to communicate with you? If so, now is the time to
1: ask any question there is that you would like to know about your physical form,
2: anything. And your only job is to listen
1: and witness and pay attention
2: Show this part of yourself that you really care. Receiving more information. Ask this part if it's okay to
1: come back and visit and see and check in and tune in. To gain deeper wisdom of unlocking and uncoding and remembering and rewilding. And finally, see if this version of yourself, this physical form, representation of your physical form is willing to produce a totem of this parallel realm of your consciousness for existence to
2: remind you that this relationship is very real. Allow this version of yourself to produce a totem,
1: a reminder
2: that you can return with as a symbol of your power. And with
1: this, the path reappears to return
2: to the parallel realm of now and here with you and I, begin to
1: travel this path the same way you had arrived, and notice any changes in your surroundings. Use your imagination and allow
2: the pace of your breath to determine your vision, the slower the breath, clearer
1: the vision, pay attention, slowly allow soundings to dissolve into the four directions that we are in here and now, whether they be walls or something else. Allow the ceiling and roof to reemerge
2: Begin to notice the connection of the body with the supports
1: beneath you. And as you inhale, really receive the breath and notice the momentum and what happens in the chest and the belly, expanding it. And as you exhale, allow yourself to root deeper into the supports beneath you, melting down, allowing roots to just grow through the feet down. Inhale. Allowing the body to feel, maybe wiggling the toes, the fingertips. And exhale, add some heavy breath sound. Inhale, maybe allowing some more bigger movement into the body. <sighs> exhale, fall of emotion and sound leaving the body. As many of those breaths as you need, and we'll really allow the eyes to be the last thing to arrive. And it'll be a good time to journal the totem or journal any important bits of information gained or to share them with somebody and put some voice to them. Some pen and paper expression to them that can be reread and read out loud to activate and recreate the space with your voice of a new version with new
2: insight you know, of yourself and your movement. Beautiful. Give thanks. Ashe, aho, amen. Let it be so. So it is. The Tastu. Oh, Shanti, Shanti. Ah, Kirti, thank you so, so much.
0: So for all of you listening, as Kirti said, take your time to integrate that and listen and allow this entire episode to really arrive in your body at a pace that just feels nourishing it feels easeful and what's so beautiful about the wisdom of the body is your mind of course was active in listening to this episode and you were probably saying in moments oh wow oh i want to remember that oh okay that's a practice i want to do right and sometimes when we create space, we forget those things, right? The mind forgets those things. And what's so beautiful about the body is the body will always remember mm. what you've heard. So just know that anything that was shared today as you're listening, that you'll remember pieces of it as you're meant to, as your body is ready to remind you. And same thing with the meditation. Whatever came through, whether it made sense to your mind or not, the body will help you remember why it showed you what it showed you. Mm. So Kirti again, just thank you so much for embodying what you teach, what you practice what you share with
1: the world thank you for having me and um i'm just blessed give thanks to all of our ancestors whoever is here listening to this podcast um did whatever needed to be done for us to all be here right now in this moment so give thanks give thanks to this soil and this earth that our mothers have eaten from to create us Mm -hmm. very thankful for all of us on this planet right now there's so much uh, work to be done. And we've also done so much work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Mm. (laughs) Mm. For
0: those of you who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in with us as always. And until next time, may you be well, may you be present with all of the energies that are moving within your life. And May you continue to arrive in a space of self-remembrance. Thank you, everyone. so much for tuning into this episode self remembrance is a sacred space for you to reconnect to the wisdom of your body to learn more about our offerings and join our community visit self-remembrance.com thank you so much to terry griffin for the incredible music at the top and bottom of this episode and to all of you who are ever so present within our community this is megan armstrong and until next time sending you love presence and self-remembrance.